Section 37 of The Genius by Theodore Dreiser. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book Two, Chapter Nine. The summer passed, and with it the freshness and novelty of Paris, though Eugene never really wearied of it. The peculiarities of a different national life, the variations between this and his own country in national ideals, an obviously much more complacent and human attitude toward morals, a matter-of-fact acceptance of the ills, weaknesses, and class differences, to say nothing of the general physical appearance, the dress, habitations, and amusements of the people, astonished as much as they entertained him. He was never weary of studying the differences between American and European architecture, noting the pacific manner in which the Frenchman appeared to take life, listening to Angela's unwearied comments on the cleanliness, economy, thoroughness with which the French women kept house, rejoicing in the absence of the American leaning to incessant activity. Angela was struck by the very moderate prices for laundry, the skill with which their concierge, who governed this quarter and who knew sufficient English to talk to her, did her marketing, cooking, sewing, and entertaining. The richness of supply and aimless waste of Americans was alike unknown. Because she was naturally of a domestic turn, Angela became very intimate with Madame Bourgoche and learned of her a hundred and one little tricks of domestic economy and arrangement. "'You're a peculiar girl, Angela,' Eugene once said to her. "'I believe you would rather sit downstairs and talk to that French woman than meet the most interesting literary or artistic personage that ever was. What do you find that's so interesting to talk about?' "'Oh, nothing much,' replied Angela, who was not unconscious of the implied hint of her artistic deficiencies. She's such a smart woman. She's so practical. She knows more in a minute about saving and buying and making a little go a long way than any American woman I ever saw. I'm not interested in her any more than I am in anyone else. All the artistic people do that I can see is to run around and pretend that they're a whole lot when they're not. Eugene saw that he had made an irritating reference not wholly intended in the way it was being taken. I'm not saying she isn't able, he went on. One talent is as good as another, I suppose. She certainly looks clever enough to me. Where's her husband? He was killed in the army, returned Angela, dolefully. Well, I suppose you'll learn enough from her to run a hotel when you get back to New York. You don't know enough about housekeeping now, do you? Eugene smiled with his implied compliment. He was anxious to get Angela's mind off the art question. He hoped she would feel or see that he meant nothing, but she was not so easily pacified. "'You don't think I'm so bad, Eugene, do you?' she asked after a moment. "'You don't think it makes so much difference whether I talk to Madame Bourgoche? She isn't so dull. She's awfully smart. You haven't talked to her. She says she can tell by looking at you that you're a great artist. You're different.' You remind her of a Mr. Degas who once lived here. Was he a great artist? Was he, said Eugene. Well, I guess yes. Did he have this studio? Oh, a long time ago, fifteen years ago. Eugene smiled beautifully. This was a great compliment. He could not help liking Madame Bourgoche for it. 
she was bright no doubt of that or she would not be able to make such a comparison angela drew from him as before that her domesticity and housekeeping skill was as important as anything else in the world and having done this was satisfied and cheerful once more eugene thought how little art or conditions or climate or country altered the fundamental characteristics of human nature here he was in paris comparatively well supplied with money famous or in the process of becoming so and quarrelling with angela over little domestic idiosyncrasies just as in washington square by late september eugene had most of his paris sketches so well laid in that he could finish them anywhere some fifteen were as complete as they could be made a number of others were nearly so he decided that he had had a profitable summer he had worked hard and here was the work to show for it twenty-six canvases which were as good in his judgment as those he had painted in new york they had not taken so long but he was surer of himself surer of his method he parted reluctantly with all the lovely things he had seen believing that this collection of parisian views would be as impressive to americans as had been his new york views Monsieur Arquin, for one, and many others, including the friends of Dessa and Dula, were delighted with them. The former expressed the belief that some of them might be sold in France. Eugene returned to America with Angela, and learning that he might stay in the old studio until December 1st, settled down to finish the work for his exhibition there. The first suggestion that Eugene had that anything was wrong with him aside from a growing apprehensiveness as to what the american people would think of his french work was in the fall when he began to imagine or perhaps it was really true that coffee did not agree with him he had for several years now been free of his old-time complaint stomach trouble but gradually it was beginning to reappear and he began to complain to angela that he was feeling an irritation after his meals that coffee came up in his throat. I think I'll have to try tea or something else, if this doesn't stop, he observed. She suggested chocolate, and he changed to that, but this merely resulted in shifting the ill to another quarter. He now began to quarrel with his work, not being able to get a certain effect, and having sometimes altered and re-altered and re-re-altered a canvas until it bore little resemblance to the original arrangement he would grow terribly discouraged or believe that he had attained perfection at last only to change his mind the following morning now he would say i think i have the thing right at last thank heaven angela would heave a sigh of relief for she could feel instantly any distress or inability that he felt but her joy was of short duration in a few hours she would find him working at the same canvas changing something he grew thinner and paler at this time, and his apprehensions as to his future rapidly became morbid. By George, Angela, he said to her one day, it would be a bad thing for me if I were to become sick now. It's just the time that I don't want to. I want to finish this exhibition upright and then go to London. If I could do London and Chicago as I did New York, I would be just about made. But if I'm going to get sick, oh you're not going to get sick eugene replied angela you just think you are you want to remember that you've worked very hard this summer and think how hard you worked last winter 
You need a good rest. That's what you need. Why don't you stop after you get this exhibition ready and rest a while? You have enough to live on for a little bit. Monsieur Charles will probably sell a few more of those pictures, or some of those will sell, and then you can wait. Don't try to go to London in the spring. Go on a walking tour, or go down south, or just rest a while, anywhere. That's what you need. Eugene realized vaguely that it wasn't rest that he needed so much as peace of mind. He was not tired. He was merely nervously excited and apprehensive. He began to sleep badly, to have terrifying dreams, to feel that his heart was failing him. At two o'clock in the morning, the hour when for some reason human vitality appears to undergo a peculiar disturbance, he would wake with a sense of sinking physically. His pulse would appear to be very low, and he would feel his wrists nervously. Not infrequently he would break out in a cold perspiration and would get up and walk about to restore himself. Angela would rise and walk with him. One day at his easel he was seized with a peculiar nervous disturbance, a sudden glittering light before his eyes, a rumbling in his ears, and a sensation which was as if his body were being pricked with ten million needles. It was as though his whole nervous system had given way at every minute point and division. For the time being, he was intensely frightened, believing that he was going crazy, but he said nothing. It came to him as a staggering truth that the trouble with him was overindulgence physically, that the remedy was abstinence, complete or at least partial, that he was probably so far weakened mentally and physically that it would be very difficult for him to recover that his ability to paint might be seriously affected, his life blighted. He stood before his canvas, holding his brush, wondering. When the shock had completely gone, he laid the brush down with a trembling hand. He walked to the window, wiped his cold, damp forehead with his hand, and then turned to get his coat from the closet. "'Where are you going?' asked Angela. "'For a little walk. I'll be back soon. I don't feel just as fresh as I might.' She kissed him goodbye at the door and let him go, but her heart troubled her. I'm afraid Eugene is going to get sick, she thought. He ought to stop work. End of section 37